Noah and Julie lit the first Advent ca candle today, and as, as I was preparing this, I thought, how on earth did we get to Advent so soon? Um, Christmas seems to come around so quickly, probably not helped by the fact that Christmas stuff is in the shops um, at the end of August or early September. But the question is, how can we use this time to focus our thoughts on the real and the true meaning behind Christmas? For myself, my church background um, has not always used Advent candles. But when I looked at the meaning of this first Advent candle, I discovered that it's referred to as the prophet's candle, as Julie said, and it symbolises that message of hope. But as we start, I wonder what it means. John sort of shared something about this already, but what does it mean to have hope? The dictionary describes hope as a feeling of expectation or a desire that something might happen. Well, if that's the case, then we can all hope for a lot of things. Michael's not here um, this morning, but Michael can hope that his beloved Arsenal um, can win the league today, uh, this year. I can hope that my beloved team will not get relegated. Um, we can all hope that it's not going to rain or that the sun will shine. But is that the true meaning of the candle of hope? Hope in the Bible means a confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in his faithfulness. So it's a confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in his faithfulness. So it's very different to that vague hope that something would or would not happen. And I can't actually think of a more important subject to talk about today. Um, as, as a society, as families, as individuals... We're all facing different situations, be that employment situations, financial issues, health-related problems, family issues. But the common theme when we face these issues is that we all need hope, and a hope that God is not, uh, not only interested, but that God cares and wants to do something about those situations. One of the passages that I want to look at today focuses on the prophet Isaiah. And you may wonder why I keep focusing on the Old Testament. Three out of the four talks I've done this year um, have focused on Old Testament books and themes. Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the walls. Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. And now Isaiah. But the Old Testament has so much to speak to us today of how God dealt with his people and how we can learn so much through that first. 
Isaiah prophesies, prophecies speak to the nation of Judah. They were part of the children of Israel that God had brought out of Egypt and eventually into the promised land after they'd wandered in the wilderness. They had seen and experienced so many incidences of God's power and work and saw that God was with them, yet numerous times they'd turned their back on God and demanded their own way. I wonder if that's a little bit like us sometimes. We see that God has done so much for us, but sometimes we just want our own way and we turn away. The children of Israel, Judah, had forsaken their worship of the one true God and followed the beliefs and practices of the nations around them. And now they were in a place of darkness, a place where God was going to allow other nations to come in and to attack his people. They were facing huge pressure from Babylon under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar. He was threatening to overthrow them and their people would be taken into exile. But in the midst of that seeming disaster, there is this message of hope. And there's just two verses that I want to read for now. It says this in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The people of uh, Judah were in a place of gloom, a place of darkness, threatened by their enemy, knowing that God had already told them that they would be taken into exile. And when we look at the journey of the people of Israel from Egypt until they reached that promised land, their journey had been characterised by light, by the presence of God in the pillar of cloud by day, and the pillar of fire by night, which would guide them wherever God wanted them to go. The nations around them were fearful because they knew that God was with them. How had things changed? And I wonder how you feel when it's dark. Um, What do you feel like when you're in a place of darkness? I know for myself... I don't really like it when the clocks change Um, and when you get up and you go to work in the dark and you come home in the dark and there always seems to be something different when it's dark but darkness can be much more than a physical darkness. For Judah, the darkness they were experiencing was not a physical darkness. It was a darkness of what was happening And what was going to happen to them. But in the midst of that darkness, there was hope because God was not going to forget them. He'd not given up on his people and he was going to honour his people again. Not in the place 
that the people would expect to be honoured, like Jerusalem, but in Galilee, in the midst of darkness, there would be light. And then the few verses that follow this passage that we'll use, I'm sure, more as we're going into Christmas. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Galilee had been a place where the enemies of Israel had travelled. The Assyrians and Babylonians had travelled that route. But now a new king would be raised in Galilee. And David's line that had seemingly finished after the death of Zedekiah was going to be re-established. The king would not be like a king that they demanded so that they could be like the nations around them. He would be God himself, and all his ways would be perfect. There would be no end to his kingdom, and there would be justice and righteousness. This kingship was no longer a possibility, something that people would look towards, but it would be definite, and God himself would bring that about. And when Jesus came into the earth, came to earth, his ministry, he said of himself that he was the light of the world. And he remains the light in the darkness of our world. Jesus also was described as the Prince of Peace, where Jesus, uh, where God's only Son could make that difference and bring people then and now, back into a relationship with God, that hope that John was talking about. But, you know, we live on the other side of history. We live on the other side of having um, come to experience Jesus and the significance of Jesus' death in our lives We're not waiting for an expectant king, not hoping for this to come about. We now live in the hope that Jesus, of what Jesus has done for us. And so we can have hope in that fact. That doesn't mean to say that there aren't times we don't experience darkness in our lives. It doesn't mean that there aren't times of pain when we don't experience the hope that we can have in Jesus. And I just want to spend a few minutes looking at some of the promises from the Bible that can help us to remember, help us to focus on, help us to be confident in the hope that Jesus can bring into our lives. Isaiah 40, verse 31, says... But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I wonder, do you feel weak? Do you feel tired? 
I feel tired today. <laughs> um, but God's able to give us the strength to face the things that are coming, to face work on Monday morning, to face school, to face the pressures of life. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Sometimes we don't know what we should be doing or where we should be going, but God is able to direct us. He's able to lead us and guide us on the correct path. Philippians 1 verse 6, where Paul says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God will complete what he has started in your life. Sometimes we may wonder what God is doing and feel that perhaps we've lost what we should be doing, but he's able to complete what he started. And then Isaiah 42, verses 1 and 2. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. When we go through difficult times, it's sometimes hard to see what God is doing in those times. But remember, we don't face those difficult times on our own. We have a God who walks with us, or even as the poem Footprint says, he carries us through those difficult times. And we can have hope in the fact that God is with us. And then, finally, Lamentations 3, verses 21 to 23. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God gives us new strength for each day. He never leaves us and he will never forsake us. He's with us each and every day, whatever we're facing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the hope that you have given us through Jesus. Father, help us to hold on to that hope even when things are difficult, even when perhaps we feel like we're walking in darkness, even when we feel like we're walking um, by ourselves, but we don't know where we're going. Father, thank you that we can have hope in you because you are able to do much more than we can ever imagine. Amen.